Welcome to the Messiah Podcast. We are so glad you tuned in today. Whether you are driving, doing chores, or taking a walk, we hope the Lord quiets your head and your heart to hear truth and be challenged through His Word. Without further ado, let's dive into the message. Morning, everybody. Great to see you today. Grab a Bible, start turning over to James, the book of James. It's in the New Testament, almost at the end of the Bible. Uh, we're going to be in this. We're just starting a brand new message series in James. It'll be between now and through the end of September. Uh, I think this is going to be an incredible message series for all of us. And uh, I just want to say it's really good. Uh, I've been gone for a couple of weeks, a couple of weekends, and uh, it's great to be back. Uh, I don't know how it is for you when you're not here and then you come back. Uh, for me, it's just like, I just feel like I'm home. Um, just to be in worship, to be with all of you, it, just, it's, it does my heart good. And uh, so, love being with you, love worshiping with you, and it's just um, pretty amazing to be here. So, a couple things as, uh, as we jump into James. You might want to take some notes on this. And, and this is going to be a little bit of a different study than we've maybe done before. Because I'm going to encourage you to go home and do some homework. I want you to start digging. I want you to start, like, look up the things that I'm going to reference to so that it's a short book. It's only five chapters. You could go home and read it in about 20 minutes. And, uh, but every week we're going to be digging a little bit more, and then I want you to start bringing in some of these other resources that I bring to you and look them up as well. And I think you're going to find that it's going to really strengthen your faith. It's going to help you in your walk with Jesus. And, uh, and I think it's going to be just a, a great growth series for you. And if you miss a week, you might want to go look it up online because I don't think you're going to want to miss any of these weeks uh, because of the, the growth that we're going to have. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about James, first of all. Uh, the reason why James is so unique, probably the most unique perspective of the whole Bible, James is the half-brother of Jesus. Let's start there. Some of you already knew that. So James, you know, they both have the same mom, Mary. Jesus, of course, conceived by God, if you will. And James was conceived by Joseph and Mary. And so Jesus and James are like half-brothers. Uh, same mom, different, well, Jesus doesn't really have a dad, but you know what I mean by that. Uh, so it's incredible that these two grew up together. And we don't know a lot about James, but we're going to learn a lot more about James. But I just want you to, would you just think about this for a minute? What do you think it'd be like having a brother who's God? I mean, how irritating would that be? He always does it right. He never says the wrong thing. He never loses his temper. He never is disobedient. Like, I wonder how many times as siblings they threw their hands up like, yep, Jesus again. You keep telling us, be like Jesus. I know. And I can't imagine what that must have been like for James and his siblings because we know that there's six of them. Uh, you can look this up. This is one of those things. Matthew 13, go look it up, that Jesus had some siblings. And they actually came to Jesus at one point. And that's how we know that there were six of them because somebody said, well, wait, isn't this... Jesus, whose siblings we know, like James and, and all the others. Uh, now, James is, this is there's some uniqueness about James. James was one of the only people mentioned that Jesus appeared to 
individually after the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15. Might want to write that down and look that up too. Jesus appeared to Cephas, Peter, after the resurrection, individually. And James is the only other one. Jesus went to his brother and wanted to make sure his brother knew that he was alive. And we don't know when James started to believe. We don't know when. But James went on to be the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. The largest church. I mean, remember, that's where the temple was. Okay, in Jerusalem for the whole Old Testament. And James becomes the pastor of this church in Jerusalem. And we're going to see there was a lot of hardship going on because he died in about 62 AD and he was stoned to death by the Pharisees. Remember, we've talked a lot about the Pharisees in the past. Pharisees were responsible for crucifying Jesus. They got the crowd and they got the governor to go ahead and crucify Jesus. But the Pharisees then stoned to death James, years later, about 25, 35 years later. So that's a little bit about James. So if you've got James open, and we're just going to kind of go a little bit verse by verse, but let me tell you this a little bit too about the book of James. Uh, it's really not like uh, Paul's letters that starts out and flows, you know, from start to finish, like, okay, we're tracking with him. Uh, it's a little bit more like sayings. And so James will be on this one thing, and then it's kind of like, you know, you kind of wonder like, does he have ADHD or something? Because he goes from like, like talking about this and then must have seen a squirrel and now we're talking about this and then also now we're talking about this and you're like, these have no connection. Zero. But that's the book of James. So if you're trying to read it like a, like a novel, it doesn't. So take these little sections. That's my encouragement to you. You and God, get aside. Take these little sections. And I think what you're going to find is in each little section, there's golden nuggets that you're going to be able to learn and mine for your own walk with, with the Lord. Okay, so James chapter 1. Let's just start there. Verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Uh, it wasn't a pleasant time. I told you James got stoned to death. It wasn't a pleasant time. And so a lot of the believers had scattered and they were getting away from Jerusalem, getting away from the Pharisees. They didn't want to die. But did you catch that first line? Now imagine you're talking about your brother. You're not talking about God. Like for us, James is servant of God. Hopefully you can say the same thing. Like, like who are you? I'm a servant of God. And of the Lord Jesus Christ. Awesome. But what about when the Lord Jesus Christ is your brother? Wouldn't that be weird? Wouldn't that be hard? Wouldn't that be hard to get to the point of, oh my goodness, my brother is God? That's crazy. And then you wonder if he pondered, like once God brought him to that point that he believed, in Jesus, I mean, believing in your brother would be really hard, I think, for anybody. But to realize that he was God. And then to go back and think about his whole life and your whole life growing up, and you're like, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. 
And wouldn't it have been weird for James? Living with God for 10, 15 years and having no idea. You just can't figure out this guy, your brother. But you know he's your half-brother. But then at what point do you realize it's really God? He's really the Lord Jesus Christ. The power in that. The Lord, not a Lord, the Lord, one master of the universe. Names him Jesus, Christ, the anointed one, the coming one of the Father. And so in one little phrase, he's like, man, let me tell you about my brother. The Lord, Jesus, his name, the Christ. Powerful. For us, we could just like, oh yeah, servant of God and Lord Jesus Christ. Not for James. This is huge. Okay. As we jump into verse 2, I want you to just ponder something. This is probably how I would have started the message out if I didn't want, need to give you the background of James. I think you'd agree with me that sometimes life is hard, wouldn't you? Life throws things at us. There are circumstances in life, sometimes our own doing, sometimes from somebody else. Sometimes just it happens. Life sometimes just happens. Sicknesses happen, death happens, trauma happens, abuse happens, divorce happens, getting fired happens. There are times in our life that life can become almost unbearable. That we're in a place that we're like, I don't know how I got to this place, but I, I want to recognize how real the pain and the trauma is that sometimes we face. And we wouldn't wish that on anybody during those times. We just, we experience a hurt that nobody seems to understand but you, and you don't necessarily, you're not able to talk about it all the time, or people don't understand it. And that's not anything that you would say, wow, this is awesome. You'd say, no, this is horrible. And this is, this is beyond horrible. So listen to what James says. Consider it pure joy, pure joy, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Can we pause? I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm like, what was he smoking? Right? Who in their right mind? Who in their right mind could say, Man, when I go through the hardest trial, it's pure joy. No, it's not. No, it's never. Never. Never pure joy. So we got to figure out what's he trying to say. Because, that's our hint. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, 
Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know, we got to start at the end. Would you like to be mature in your faith? Or would you like to have an infant faith? I think most of us probably would say, you know, God, I want to be a servant for you. I want to be a follower of you. I want to be sold out for you. I want to live for you. I want to seek you and trust you and praise you and pray to you. And you probably would say, that is a mature faith. That you've dedicated your life to just wanting to serve God. That's a mature faith. How do you get there? Let's go. Now we got to go back. How do you get there? In order to be mature and complete, not lacking anything, you got to go through trials. Are you still excited about having a mature faith? No? See, if this is where you are, just spiritually, let's just say you're here, and you want to grow, oftentimes we think the path to growth is like this. So let's just say, let's give it a number. You're uh, 45, and you want to grow to 50. That's five points. You're like, all right, God, I want to grow to 50, so I'm going to do what I can to grow up to 50. God's like, all right, here's the deal. i got to take you down in trials to 40, five down, so that I can build you up to 50. Ooh. If you're at 45 and you want to go to 75, God, I want to go from 45 to 75 in my life. God's like, all right, let me tell you what the trial you're going to go through. If you want to go 30 points up, you've got to go 30 points down. You've got to go to 15. You, this is going to hurt. God always, always, you've got to go down. You've got to go through a trial. You've got to go through the problem. You've got to go through the heartache. You've got to go through the struggle. And it's through that struggle, that stress, that God grows you. I, I asked the staff this last week, can you give me an example of how stress grows something? And they said, well, like a tomato plant, during the winter months, you got to whack them. You don't have to do it when they're outside. I'm like, I, I didn't know that. Did you all know that? That if you plant it outside, the winds do the whacking, and so plants grow up. But if you don't whack the tomato plant on the inside, it'll die, it'll collapse. I didn't know that. You gotta stress it out to grow it. And somebody said, muscles. You wanna get stronger? You don't just get stronger. You gotta break the muscles down to build the muscles 
up. And I think if you just think about anything else, you probably have other examples. It's almost always a living thing that if you want to grow it, you've got to stress it. You've got to put it through trials. You've got to put it through hardship in order for it to grow. So where's James coming from? If you want to grow and be mature in your faith, then when God breaks you down and you go through trials that are really hard and you don't wish on anybody, he doesn't want you to lose hope. Because God can bring good out of anything, and he does. You know, it's oftentimes in the trial, it's oftentimes in that low point. It's in that low point that God meets us the most. That's where God really shows himself. Like, I am with you. And God tells us the goal. Let's go back to verse 2. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Okay, let's just unpack those two things. So when you're going through a trial and you're like, God, I need your help. God, protect me. God, help me. And you're calling out to God in that hard time. That's usually when we call out to God the most, when we're out of control or something's going on. God, I need your help. Please protect me. Please help me. Please help a family member. Help. And you're going through this. You see, God wants you to reach out to him. And it's testing your faith because you're like, God, are you really there? God, I really need you to be there. Are you listening to me? Please, please, God, are you there? And your faith is being, like, stressed. And then you hit that spot, that bottom trial. Did you catch what God said? There's only one thing God wants you to do. Persevere. That should be the greatest hope in our life. God's not saying, hey, when you're really down, I want you to sing and dance. Can't. I want you to be really happy. Can't. I want you to be really joyful. Can't. I want you to have a great attitude. Can't. God knows that. So what does he say? Just hang in there. Persevere. Let the trial fulfill its course. Let the trial strengthen you. And let it just, it's breaking you down and you're just hanging in there. And then all of a sudden you start to watch. Okay. Okay, it's getting, it's getting better. I'm doing all right. Okay, we can do this. And then you look back and go, wow, I grew. Yeah. So now, now do you understand where James is coming from? That if you want to be mature in your faith and trials happen, look at what God is going to do. And it should bring joy to us. Just a quiet joy. Like, God, use this, use this trial to grow me. And we can have comfort that God's going to use it. Comfort, 
God is going to grow us. Comfort, that God is not abandoning me during those hard times. And when I grow, it's going to bring joy. That's where James is coming from. Now, you've got to remember where he's coming from. He was living this. He was a pastor of the church in Jerusalem, the headquarters of the Pharisees who hated Christians and followers of Jesus, so much so that they crucified Jesus and stoned James. So you're talking about a guy who's got probably the biggest target on him. Oh, he's a brother of Jesus. Let's go after him. Oh, he's a pastor in Jerusalem. Let's go after him. Let's make an example out of him. He was living under the most stress. And so where's he coming from? Considerate, pure joy. Because of what God is doing. And it brings maturity in our faith. I hope that makes a little more sense. All right, now, squirrel. He's going to shift on us all quick. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from, anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Uh, I don't know about you, that, that feels a little harsh. Um, but he's telling it to us straight. What's this thing, wisdom? If any of you lacks wisdom, I think over the years I've come to understand what wisdom is. Because God talks a lot about wisdom, and knowledge is different. You can have really smart people that are very unwise. You can take very unknowledgeable people that are incredibly wise. Wisdom's different. Wisdom is when we're most aligned with God. Like, how would God see this? That's wisdom. How would God respond to this? That's wisdom. Does this break God's heart? It seems to be breaking my heart. That's wisdom. It's loving the things that God loves. It's also hating the things that God hates, and I'll explain that in a moment. Wisdom is being so aligned with God. You see, that was the thing that Eve was in the garden, she was tempted with. If she ate the fruit, she would know good from evil, and she said that it gives wisdom. Good and evil. Well, here's a couple of verses you might want to look up if you're taking any notes. The beginning of wisdom, says God, is the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 9. The beginning of, so if you're like, well, I would like wisdom from God. I want to become wise. Then it starts with the fear of the Lord. Well, what does that mean? I'm supposed to be afraid of God? Well, let's go to Proverbs 8. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Now we're getting somewhere. God despises evil. Dis 
despises it, despicable, hates it. Because ultimately, you know what evil does? It brings us away from God. That's what evil does. It's, it's like a, it's showing that a person is very far from God and it also has a capacity to bring us away from God. And he hates that because it takes us away from him. And anything that takes us away from God, God despises. And so if we really want to have wisdom, it starts with right and wrong, loving the things that God loves, hating the things that God hates of evil, anything that's going to bring a person away from Christ. Here would be an example, pornography. The most destructive thing in a young person's life takes people away from God. God despises it as evil because it just takes people away from him and causes it a, such an unhealthy addiction. God despises it. It's when we hate the things that God hates that take people away from God. That's the beginning of wisdom. And then aligning with God so that you're like, God, what do you love? I want to love. What do you hate? I want to hate. And it's never a person. Please hear that. Never a person. It's the sin. Love the sinner, hate the sin. You've heard that. It's really true. God loves the sinner. God loves the sinner. All of us, every one of us, loves us. Hates the sin. So he says, if, if you want wisdom, ask God for it. But you've got to know what you're asking. God, I want to be aligned to you. I want to know what you love. I want to, I want to live the way you want me to live. I want to act the way you want me to act. I want to think the way you want me to think. I want to be the person you want me to be. So what do I need to bring into my life to help me with that and help me say no to the stuff that's taking me away from you? That's wisdom. So that no matter what you're looking at, you're thinking, what would God think? What would God say? How does God feel about this? Does this break God's heart? Does God love this? Is this something that is good, bad? That's wisdom. That's what God says. If you want that, then you gotta go after it. It doesn't happen. It's not like you go, give me wisdom. Oh, wow, no, I know everything. No, God's like, he gives us a methodology, which I'll show you in just a moment. Okay, jump down to verse four, uh, 12. I'm running out of time. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Okay, does that make a little more sense now than what we talked about in the first part? Blessed is the one who perseveres. That's the goal of God. Persevere when you're under trial. Because after you stood that test, you received the crown of life. Okay, now I'm like that squirrel, like James. You know, I went from one topic to wisdom back to trial. All right. Now let's talk about what we just did a moment ago, verse 13. When tempted, remember what a temptation is. A temptation is anything that causes us, if we're on the path of Christ, any temptation is like this. Or this. Any temptation is like, do I follow Jesus? Or do I? take a step in a different direction. 
When tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Can't blame God when you're tempted. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. After desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. What's he saying? We are tempted from within as sinners to walk away from God. And if you let that go, it gives birth from a thought to a desire to an action and an action done long enough, I don't want God anymore, I don't want God anymore. And you can easily, this is what evil does, gets us to a point that we have to choose. God despises it. Now he talks to us again. Verse 16, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. He's talking to us. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Now really listen. If you haven't listened up till now, you listen to this verse. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be the, a kind of first fruits of all he created. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. You're reading it. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. That's in John 14. I am the way and the truth. I'm the truth, says Jesus. When we study the word of God, we're studying him. All the scriptures have one purpose in mind. As we're reading through this, it's not just so that we live good lives. Heavens, no, we can't. It's to point us back to Jesus. He chose us. He chose you. Let that sink in. He chose you and loves you enough to give up his life so that you could live in heaven. And the word of truth keeps pointing us back to him so that we read it and it should point us back to Jesus, back to his grace, back to his love. And it doesn't matter how far you've gotten, God invites us to repent. And what happens when we repent just means turn back, get back on track, God'll help you. And what you always find with God is forgiveness. God's like, I don't, I don't care about yesterday. You know, yesterday's forgiven, yesteryear's forgiven, yester's century, depends on how old you are. Yester is gone. Today matters. Choose, God chose you. Choose to walk with him, and you are. That's why you're here this morning. And that's wisdom. That's the first step of wisdom. When you say, I'm, I wanna seek you, Jesus. He chose you. 
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it's overwhelming to think that you chose us to be in a relationship with you. And when life throws the worst trials our way, you use them to strengthen our faith in you. You use these trials so that we'll be closer to you. You use these trials so that we'll trust you more, we'll call out to you more, we'll cry out to you more. And you use the worst times of our life to bring us closer to you. That's we're celebrating. And we want to thank you, Jesus, that you loved us that much to come down into this broken world of ours to save sinners like us, but not just to save us, but to then use every circumstance in our life, especially the bad, to bring us closer to you. That's pure joy. And we just want to say thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you are challenged and encouraged to walk in truth in your everyday. Please share with friends and family, and we can't wait to have you next time on the Messiah Podcast.